You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So good to be here this morning, ready to share the word. Uh, back in September, prior to actually the uh, Sunday before the hurricane, um, we gathered in here on, a, on Friday night, and um, Leslie, would you take these? We gathered together on a Friday night, and we had about 50 people here praying as we were preparing to move back into our sanctuary on that Sunday, and then for those of you aware that the following Thursday was the Hurricane Laura that came through, and, and then just was so difficult and devastating, and things that happened with that, and uh, but on that Friday night, we gathered together to pray to consecrate the sanctuary to the Lord. I want to say this, that this facility here was built with a distinct purpose for the glorification. It was consecrated for the work of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so that's why we're here worshiping in this place today. And so years ago, it was established in that manner. And, and, and so the reason I brought everybody together is because prior to that, uh, just uh, several weeks prior to that, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and show me some things pertaining to community. Um, the Lord had a plan when he established this work to accomplish his will and his purpose within Orange County and the Golden Triangle. I am firmly convinced that the space that we have now is absolutely not enough for what Jesus is going to do in the future. I believe that with everything in me. Because I believe that when the Spirit of God begins to move in a fashion that brings conviction upon hearts and and, and lifts up the name of Jesus. The Bible says it this way, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. So when we lift up Jesus, you can be assured that people that are being drawn and convicted by the Holy Spirit are going to find their way into this house. But just as much when we lift up the name of Jesus, we know there is an opposing force that hates that. I will say this, Satan is okay with the church that's just a social club. But when a church becomes about the kingdom of God and about the hearts and the minds of men and we preach the blood of Jesus and the reality that there is a spiritual warfare that is going on, you paint a target upon your back. And this church was noted for that, I believe with everything in me. It was established uh, and was built up through former pastors. I know with Brother Burkheimer really developing and growing the church to the size that it was and seeing the Holy Spirit move. But uh, somewhere along the way, something happened. There was a, an attack upon this body. There were a lot of things that, are, that occurred as a result of that. The church dwindling down and, and, and struggling severely financially. The school literally on the doors of being closed. I want you to know this. The Lord has already turned that all around within one year. On March, the second week of March, Leslie and I will have been here for a year. It's been an exciting year. I don't know how you define exciting, but that's a good way to describe it. But in, in, in being here for a while, you know, you don't really know all the things, you know, uh, I had a friend of mine say this one time. He said, if you sit in a meeting as a board and you have a, he told a, a board that was trying to interview him for a pastorate and they asked him, what is your vision for the church? He said, first of all, I don't have a vision for the church. He said, I need to be here to listen to the Holy Spirit and get direction from God for a vision from the church because the vision of the church shouldn't come from the heart of a man, but from the heart of God. 
The heart of God right now, what the Lord has told me is we're going to rebuild, restore, and refresh Community Church. Next week, I'll have some banners that we've had made. I'll some, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. I have Joe Oden that is coming next week. You do not want to miss this. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you to make sure and be here and to invite someone because you're going to hear a powerful testimony and a man that is used in a great way across America right now. He's right now fixing to be leading. 30 denominations are coming together. He's heading up a commission for evangelism for 30 denominations in America. I'm telling you, it's an incredible thing that God is using Joe in. But uh, several weeks prior to us moving into the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about Jezebel. And that as I was praying, I felt like the Lord really kind of showed me this kind of a, not a physical picture, but a mental picture of a throne that had been set over the top of this sanctuary, and it was a, it was a principality. It was a power. It was a spiritual force that had been set up over community church. It says this in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, um, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. The reality is, part of being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is an opposing kingdom to who we are. And as I've said lately, multiple times now, that where two kingdoms come together, there is a collision. When one kingdom invades the territory of another kingdom, there's not just this open door, come on in, do as you please. There is a battle that happens in that place. And I will tell you, community church, that is, we step into the territory of darkness and bringing people back into relationship with God, there will be attacks from the enemy. We've seen them. Just this week, the devil broke into my truck. It has to be the devil. He's like, man, I'm going to really hurt him. And he stole Stephen's computer and pistol. Stephen really got hurt. The devil's really after him. Some people don't believe in this idea of evil spirits and, and things. They think that's kind of a, uh, maybe in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa or South America, this idea of a witch doctor or voodoo. And maybe it's just mysticism or maybe it's just... Uh, uh, some genre that was made up fictitiously. No, I want to tell you there is a real battle with unseen forces today. There are spiritual forces at work in opposition against you and against me. Right now in America, this week the Senate will be voting on this Equality Act. There are unseen forces doing its best to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is out to destroy the moral foundations of America, to change the foundations of the truths of God's Word. Let me tell you, as a believer, you must be opposed to this act. It exonerates and lifts up that that is everything that is contrary to the Word of God. From abortion to the destruction of the family and the marriage. I'm telling you, it is a dangerous hour that we are living in and it is an unseen spiritual force that we are really fighting against. What we need is not another political movement. We need a movement of the Holy Spirit that changes the hearts and the minds of America. Yes, we can vote politicians in and out. 
But if we pray for a revival in, in the White House and a revival in the legislature and a revival in the, in the government in every campus and in every area, that's when America will find itself back on course to being what God called and ordained this nation to be. I believe that with everything in me. Maybe that offends you. I'm sorry to offend you, but I will not back away from the truth. This is not a political stance. This is a stance against unrighteousness, folks. It is a stance against that that is contrary to the word of the living God. And I cannot sit by idly and keep my mouth silent. To be silent in the face of evil is evil itself. So God began to speak to me prior to us moving back into the sanctuary and began to show me about Jezebel. And I've, I've mentioned that I was going to preach it. I've, I've had, uh, Joe Beadle has been on me and on me. When are you going to preach that, brother? When are you going to preach that? I said, I'm preaching it. It's coming. When the Holy Spirit tells me it's time. This is Freedom February. Last week, I preached upon oppression, and I always stepped on some toes. I never want to stand before God with my hands covered in the blood of people that I was not willing to speak the truth. Sin is still exceedingly sinful. The same sin that was in the Bible is the same sin today, and it's the same sin that robs God's people from freedom, and it keeps people on a path to hell. Jesus came to set you free from the grip and the power of the enemy and the power of death and sin. Let me tell you, there is a real freedom that is won through the blood of Jesus. God's speaking to me about this idea of Jezebel, and, and part of the, the, the struggle I had is, Exactly, Lord, how do I preach this, this thing about Jezebel? And I've entitled this message, Freedom from Jezebel, and, and today I'm going to talk about discerning the spirit of Jezebel. And I want to I give a little caveat. First of all, when we say the spirit of Jezebel, nowhere in the Bible does, there say, does it say there is a spirit of Jezebel. There are characteristics there are traits that evil spirits operate in and through that we can draw from in looking at this individual, this person in the Bible, Jezebel. And she is found not only in the Old Testament, but also, also operating in the book of Revelations in the New Testament. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about discerning the spirit of Jezebel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the, the baptism service this morning, for the worship service, for what you've already done in the lives of people in transformation. We thank you for freedom this morning in this house. We bind every principality and power and everything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God in this room. We take authority over hindering spirits. Lord, I pray this morning that every ear be open and every heart be attentive to receive the living, pure milk of your word that brings transformation and change and freedom. And we honor you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen and amen. 1 Kings chapter 16 says this. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So the Bible tells us this account from, and it's found actually in, in the book of 1 Kings, 
chapter 16, chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 21. Also in 2 Kings chapter 9, we are given the account about this king over Israel by the name of Ahab. Ahab, in, in a political move, married a, 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 an individual by the name of Jezebel. And I want to say to you this morning, it's not, here is the truth. This Jezebel, so many times I've heard this used in a derogatory to, manner towards women. The truth is, men and women can operate in the same traits and characteristics of Jezebel. So it's not, a, it's not an issue of male or female here. It's an issue of spiritual influence in the lives of people. So he marries Jezebel, and literally it was kind of a political connection. And no doubt, as you see and you read in the Word of God, that Ahab was an evil man. He did more evil than any king prior to him. And you find here that he did something very interesting, that he built a temple in Samaria to Baal. So there was compromise that was already at work in the life of Ahab. And this bell worship was denoted by a couple of things. One of the things about bell worship was that Baal was considered the god of fertility. And in the temple of Baal, they had temple prostitution. Literally, there was, it was a, a considered an act of worship to go into the temple and to, to be with a prostitute. You know, if you have prostitutes in church, it's not real hard to get men to come. You know what I'm talking about? They probably filled the temple up pretty easily. Plenty of money flowing through that place. But because Baal was denoted as this god of fertility, there was a connection to sexual immorality that was there. Not only was it the god of fertility, but he was known as, as the god or the lord of the dew or the rain. And literally, that dew or the rain really is indispensable to, cro to crops. And, and you'll find, not next week, I'm not going to preach part two, but the week after that, I'm going to preach about part two. And you want to hear this because it's amazing how that God took the very things that were so important and connected to Baal worship and used it as a place of judgment. And eventually, uh, um, Jezebel, as she raised up this uh, Baal worship in, in Israel and, and had established a, a, uh, a temple to Baal in Samaria, she eventually started hunting down and killing the prophets of God. And I think it's, it's, it's significant to note this, that, that I, I don't see anywhere where she hunted down and killed the priests of God, but she hunted down the prophets of God. Because the difference was, the prophets stood and spoke the word of God, a thus saith the Lord. These were men that were called and anointed by God, and men and women to, to speak literally for God. And so she, she went after the prophets of God, and I would say there, I believe there was a compromise in the priesthood. The reason I believe there was a compromise in the priesthood, if you see in the word of God that, that Ahab and Jezebel did not build a temple in Jerusalem to Baal, but they built it in Samaria. I think what it was, the priests that were in Jerusalem would have fought that tooth and nail because they were so devout in their religion. You know, you can be devoted to a religion and not devoted to God. They were devout in their religion, and so they built that temple in Samaria. I think there was compromise on the part of the priests. What they said, listen, you can do it over there, just don't do it over here, because I'm okay with you doing something over there as long as it doesn't affect me. Powerful word. It's the time and the day that we are living in right now. 
There are believers that are asleep and are willing to hide themselves from the reality of the scenarios and the things that are coming down the road. You know what is a tragedy? When we're okay as long as we're okay, but we're not concerned about our children and grandchildren. So compromise was, I believe, on the part of the priesthood because if they had stood up against that, even though Ahab was the king, they could have literally got all the people to gather together and have fought against that. But no, they were okay with, with you, you can perform it over there in Samaria, just don't let bell worship necessarily be in, in here in Jerusalem. And so God raised up a prophet by the name of Elijah. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, he came on the scene and he, he called down judgment by God. And he said, at my word, there will not be a drop of rain that will fall until, it, until I speak otherwise. As a result of that, there was a three-year drought that happened in Israel. You see, ultimately, Jezebel, not necessarily meaning in a sense of just a, fe a female, but this spiritual entity, this spiritual influence, is everything that is perverted and contrary to God himself. In the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 2, we're told of the church of Thyatira. How many of you are familiar with the seven churches of Revelation? Now I want you to get this. This is the New Testament church that Jesus is, is directly addressing. And he directly addresses Jezebel as she said that she called herself a prophetess. She said she taught his children to commit sexual immorality, to eat meat, sacrifice it to idols. There are many scholars that believe that this Jezebel was the pastor's wife. I'm not even going to make comment on that. I'm going to leave that one alone. My wife says, yay. You are not anywhere near that, baby. You're not Lezebel. Let's just close. I'm going to baptize myself again. <laughs> what is incredible is that the Lord himself addresses this church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. And he says this, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. Speaking of Jezebel. And she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. Now this is the gracious, merciful Lamb of God speaking to the church of Thyatira because they had allowed this spiritual entity, this principality, this spiritual influence to begin to operate within the church. And the reason I brought that up is there are those today that do not believe that this can and does operate within the New Testament church. No, let me tell you, that spiritual influence, that principality, if a door is open to it, will walk right in that door, take a seat in the house, and do everything in its power to destroy a church that is consecrated to God. I believe it is significant in speaking about sexual immorality because we are living in a day and an age where young adults feel that there is nothing wrong. Not just young adults, even older adults feel that there is nothing wrong with individuals living together out of wedlock. 
They feel that there is nothing wrong with homosexuality because God made them way. No, that is a lie from the pits of hell. God did not create a man to go after another man. It tells us very plainly in Scripture that God judges those things. Look at the book of Romans. Pastor, you're uncaring. No, I care enough to tell you the truth. There is a world out there that has influenced people more than the Word of God. And you will find today, as I spoke last week, there is an absolutely, a, a, with, with purpose, a plan to devalue and to destroy the foundational truths of the Word of God. If I can water the Word down and get you to believe a lie, I can send you to a place in a position of absolute oppression, bondage, and ultimately hell. Let me tell you, the Word of God is the Word of God regardless of the culture, regardless of the politics, regardless of what preacher stands in any pulpit and says anything. The truths of God's Word are still sure and firm. Let every man be a liar and God be true. Let me talk to you about the characteristic of Jezebel. You see, Satan has used the same tools or devices throughout history to accomplish his scheme or his plans. And as I said earlier, Jezebel simply represents a person used as a tool to destroy the true worship of God. I spoke to you about Jezebel, I believe the Lord showed me that in community that the door had been opened to allow Jezebel to operate within this church. The Lord doesn't need a big church. He just needs a devoted church. And this place is consecrated to Jesus. These grounds are considered sacred. We anointed this place. But I want to tell you this. Jesus and the Holy Spirit does not inhabit a building. He inhabits a people. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The truth is that the enemy comes in through people, not through in the air. I'll talk to you a little bit and a little bit about that more. He operates through individuals. And so I want to say to you this, that you need to get to a place and a position where you are understanding what are the characteristics or the traits of this spiritual entity's influence. First of all, this spirit attaches itself to and attacks God-ordained authority. You see it in Scripture. Even though Ahab was the king of Israel and he had authority, and some would say, well, he wasn't really a godly man. No, let me tell you, he was the king over that nation. Some people say, well, you know, maybe he was there and God really didn't want him to be there. No, let me tell you, just because somebody is doing wrong in their life does not mean they're called, not called to a position. You find it, I think it's in the book of Luke, that at the moment that Jesus was being brought before the, the council and the high priest, and they had, in preparation to crucify him, had plans to kill him, that the Bible says that Caiaphas... The high priest, the one who was going to crucify Jesus ultimately, prophesied that it is better for one to die for the many. So the office is honored by God even though the actions may not be honorable. And Ahab was honored by God in that sense that he was the king of Israel and he had an opportunity and a choice to do what is right. And so the enemy understands this. If he can get his way into a place of God-ordained authority then he has opportunity to have sway and influence. 
I have seen it time and time again where people, as a pastor, I have seen people come in and begin to try to start, you know, telling you about how wonderful you are and things. And I've been around long enough to know that when somebody just constantly compliments you, there is usually a reason behind all of that. Unless it's me complimenting my wife. And then it's done because I love her and she's beautiful and she's amazing. So this spiritual entity will come in and attack and attach itself to God-ordained authority. And you will see it where maybe at one point somebody who is so godly gets a connection outside of the will of God. You know, my mom used to say this, birds of a feather flock together. And it does matter the people you hang with. Many times what we find is when God's called you out of a world of darkness and you're living a consecrated life to Jesus, he'll allow, the enemy will try to plant somebody in your life that will try to water down that consecration and say to you, you know, really, you don't have to worry about it that much. I was uh, watching on Facebook, I was a video about this family, the Plathville or something, I can't remember the name, I was going to Discovery Channel, this family with all these kids, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with it, like the Duggars, but they're very conservative, very Christian, and have raised their children up in a very, very, very strict environment, and I've watched their family as, as they're now on Discovery TV and, and all this, and you see how these kids were really so very devoted to their family and all this, and trying to do right things that little by little, as they've, some of them have left the house, and now no doubt because of the sway and the influence of being in the public eye that you're seeing little by little things that are going on in their life that they're compromising maybe their, their parents' values and not necessarily everything is uh, something they should do. But, but in the show, I noticed there's like a two, two, two of the teenagers moved out of the house and have become one's a model and one who is wearing extremely revealing clothing and and, and, and I was watching it, and the, uh, another one of the teenagers came over to visit, and she is trying her best to get her sister to wear clothing that she's not comfortable with. And that's exactly the way the enemy does. He, he comes in, and he, and he tries to get you to compromise the things that are consecrated to the Lord. And he wants, ultimately, he's trying to, to worm his way against that God-ordained authority in your life, and in the life of the church, let me talk to you nothing. The characteristic of Jezebel, it, it attacks those that are anointed by God. As I said in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, it tells us that Jezebel, once she got established and began to raise up prophets to Baal and began to work in the nation of Israel, she began to, one by one, began to kill the prophets of God. And I thought how significant that is today when there are prophets out there that you are seeing today in the church in America today, even believers attacking prophets. Some people say, well, the prophetic office is not an operation. Well, then you do not believe the word of God. It is part of the fivefold ministry that still is in operation today. I can even show you it operating in the New Testament. So the enemy is not concerned, as I said earlier, the priest that I believe were compromised, they were left alone, but the men and the women who said, I will stand upon the word of God in spite of the consequence or the cost, they were the ones that the enemy went, went after. And I fully expect that I will be attacked. 
Young guy, I know he put uh, uh, on, on Facebook about this Equality Act, says, I love these people, but I don't agree with them. And he literally had to pull his Facebook post down because he was being so attacked. People said, I'm going to screenshot this and send it to everybody. You are living in a culture today where it is open warfare against the truth of the Word of God. She went after those that were anointed and spoke the Word of God. Thirdly, this trait and characteristic of Jezebel is a, a, a it is denoted by manipulativeness or a, a controllingness. The word here, manipulative, means to be unscrupulous control of a situation or a person. Have you ever met somebody that's manipulative? I've been around that. I've been around this long enough to know that sometimes people will say and do things with the intent and the purpose to get something done that they want done. I I've seen it time and time again where. People will, they won't divulge the whole truth. They'll say things like the way they think it is so that you react or you respond in a way that really isn't godly at times. Or maybe you make a decision that really isn't the will of God because they haven't given you the whole truth. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? It is an unscrupulous individual. It's a person who has to be in a place of control. And as a pastor, I've been around this long enough to know that, the, that in a smaller church, it's a lot easier for controlling people to operate. I thank God for men and women of God that are called by God and anointed by the Lord and his people washed in the blood. But I want you to know that I have been around and I've seen it where there are people that when they don't get their way, they have a, they have a baby fit. Not only does this spirit operate in manipulation and control. It works in lies. The original tactic and the plan of the enemy is you will be as God is what he told Adam and Eve. You will be as God knowing good and evil. It is the original lie that throughout history people have taken in and the enemy has whispered it over and over and over. And I will tell you that in America we are very foundational in the sense that I am independent. I can live my own life and do my own thing. But there is that idea that has kind of wormed its way in that you can be as God and you can do as you please and there is no repercussion. If you're not familiar with the name of Anton LaVey, anybody familiar with that? He's the father of modern Satanism. And one of the, the core uh, value statements that he made is do what you will is the whole of the law that's one of the foundation beliefs of the satanic church that there is no recourse you can live your life as you please no let me tell you there is once to die and we will stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords every man woman and child will stand at that great white throne judgment and it'll be divided in the lambs and the goats and those that have not surrendered their life to Jesus you will give an account and if you have not come into relationship with Jesus hell is a reality The enemy works in lies, and if he can get you to bite, to take the lie in, that you are not, you don't have to be responsible to God. Matter of fact, I think the danger is today is that there has been a greasy grace, an easy grace that has been preached so hard and heavy that it is no longer taught and believed that even though you are born again, people can walk away from Jesus. You may not agree with that. Well, I can take you biblically and show you where it is true. There were many that turned their back on God and walked away. 
You and I have a choice today that we're either going to believe the truth of God's word that is calling you out of a world of darkness and consecration and surrender and set apart unto the will and the purpose of God or you are just going to come to church and live your life as you please. You cannot have it either way. Either you are hot or you are cold because he says in the book of Revelation, if you are lukewarm, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. That was Jesus speaking to his church. Not sinners, not people in the world. It was a church that had lost its way and its devotion to God. Why am I preaching this message to you today? I am preaching this message because we need to understand the way this entity and influences and operates in the lives of people. Some people say, well, it's just a character of people. I would agree, but it's become ingrained because they for so long have allowed that spirit to operate in their life. They now have allowed it to become the normal part of the way they operate. It's just the way God made me. Gossip is just the way God made me. Lying is just the way God made me. You know, those things are still sin. So we cannot believe the lie, and we have to understand it's in the tool bag of the enemy. Fifthly, this spirit tries to operate in illegal authority. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 8, we're given the account where, in chapter 21, where Ahab wanted a vineyard. It was probably a beautiful, amazing vineyard. This is the king of Israel. And he goes to Naboth, and he says, listen, I want your vineyard. I want that. And Naboth says, no, I'm not going to give that to you. This is my inheritance. I'm not giving that up. And so Ahab goes home and throws a baby fit. That's what he did. Go read it. He throws a baby fit. I didn't get the. And he goes home and he's boohooing, I guess. And Jezebel's like, what is wrong? He's like, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. She said, you are the king of Israel. You take what you want. She said, listen. I'm going to get that vineyard for you. And the Bible says that she, she, ta- she wrote a letter. And this is what's incredible. In verse 8, she took the king's ring, the seal of authority, and she stamped it to that letter. In that moment, she was writing a letter as if it was coming from the king himself, and she was stamping it, but it was really illegal authority. She was trying to operate in a place that she had not been ordained by God. She wrote a letter to the leaders in that community and said, I want you to declare a fast. I want you to set Naboth up as one of the main people. I want you to get people to lie about him. And as a result of that, these men came and lied, said that he he spoke against God. and, And so they took Naboth out and they killed him. And Ahab went and took that vineyard. Let me tell you this. You listen to the Holy Spirit. The enemy will give you anything that you want. If you are willing to surrender the authority that God's called you to be in. So it is a spirit that operates in a place, in a position that it is not ordained or been given the authority. Sixthly, it is subtle. The word subtle means to make use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. It's low key, I put the word there, it likes to operate on the DL. For you old people, that means down low. I don't know who you are, I'm just saying. Jezebel does not necessarily want her face to be made known. She wants to operate maybe in the background and 
manipulation and subtlety and trying to get you to move and to operate in certain ways that are not inside the will of God. Seventhly, she will compromise the truth. She will get people to be in a place where, you know what? It's really not that bad. I remember as a kid, there was a hill outside of Baird that, um, yes, in West Texas, there are hills. <laughs> we call them mountains. <laughs> but there was a hill up by the railroad tracks that was like really steep. Now, I think if I went back now and saw it, I would be like, eh, it's not that bad. But as a, about an eight-year-old kid, it was a big deal if you could ride your bicycle down this steep dirt hill. It was all rutted out from rain. And, you know, kids would be like, you know, y'all remember the banana seat bicycles? When bicycles were cool? And you had the flag on the back? Come on. Ching, ching. <laughs> Later on, we got mongoose and these dirt bikes. And, and I remember us going down there, and, and you'd watch kids and boom, they get up and they're bleeding and scraping dirt and everything, crying. And they're like, are you going to do it? No, you big sissy. I'm not scared. You are scared. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they would goad you into doing something that you know you are endangering yourself. Literally, they would get you to compromise your own better judgment and safety. You see, the enemy, this spirit, works in and through compromise. Maybe it's not a big compromise. Maybe you say, well, Pastor Thurman, I'm not going to go out and murder anybody. But this spirit tells you it's okay to look at a little bit of pornography. This spirit says, men, it's okay to look at the menu as long as you go home with her. That's a lie. Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, it's like doing it. So, so it's the, as it says in the Bible, the little foxes spoil the vine. It's not necessarily if the devil shows up all at once and says, just compromise everything. No, he's like, if he could get you just to lie a little bit about your timesheet at work. Amen, preacher. If he can get you, you know, you know, the IRS really doesn't need to know that you made that much money. Amen, preacher. Y'all won't amen me, I'll amen myself. He doesn't really need to know that you spent that much money on the credit card. You know, I heard mostly ladies' voices in that. Do, do we need to get this baptism going again? Cut them credit cards up. So this spirit works through compromise. Finally, sexual immorality. You see it as a common theme that this spiritual entity and principality operates in. I will tell you that within this body and within America today, there is probably one of the most difficult things that we face is promiscuity. We have normalized sexual immorality on TV today to our children. We are allowing the world to influence what they believe because sometimes we have compromised our own beliefs. Come on. That's right, I'm preaching. So this influence, this spirit works in a position where people are, I've seen this time and time again, where people believe that something's a sin, but they will compromise it because their children are doing it. 
Well, they're, you know, they really love Jesus. They're backslidden and away from God. That's the reality of it, and that's the reality you have to face. So this spirit gets you and I to compromise the truth, and little by little, sexual immorality becomes not necessarily that we act upon it, but it becomes okay in our heart. When men, we think a certain way. I heard a lady say this one time. It's a powerful word. I cannot compete with the theater of a man's mind. When we have allowed the theater of pornography to overtake us to determine what is right and wrong sexually. It's another message. So let me talk to you about what Jezebel, I've given you some traits. Let me talk to you about what Jezebel needs to operate. Because just because this spiritual influence has a tool bag and has tactics and has plans and schemes This thing has to have a place to operate in and through. First of all, Jezebel needs a body or a host. You can write this one down. I don't know if I put this in the little notes on the back of the deal. Speaking of which, there's a sign-up sheet out there if you want the the show notes, if you want the message notes after the end. We'll email them to you. Sign up for it. So Jezebel needs a body or a host. I want you to write this down to remember this. There would never have been a Jezebel without an Ahab. Jezebel would have no place of authority. She would have had no opportunity to enact the compromise that came into Israel to kill the prophets of God, to destroy the worship of of, of God himself. If it had not been for that man, Jezebel, ladies, amen. The question is, are you an Ahab? You see, it's easy to point fingers at biblical characters, it's easy to point fingers at those, you know, and, and I would dare say that there are probably, even when you start mentioning the name Jezebel, there's people like, man, she or he needs to hear this message. Today, what I feel directed from the Lord is for you to say, Holy Spirit, turn the light of your word upon myself and help me to see, am I an Ahab? Don't worry about your brother, don't worry about your sister. Don't worry about so-and-so. You need to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Matthew 12, verse 43 says this, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he will find it empty and swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter there and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Spirits do not want to inhabit the air. They want to inhabit a host. If you remember when Jesus was there with that demon, that person was demonically possessed, I think it was legion, and he cast that out. He said, just at least send us into the pigs. Spirits don't just want to fly around in the air. They want to operate in and through a host. And I want you to see and understand that, that in order for Jezebel, this spiritual entity, this principality, this influence to operate, it has to work through an individual. And ultimately, this spiritual influence is looking for a person that's in a place or a position of authority because it can work in a greater capacity through people or persons of authority. You know, when, when the person has the ability to say no or to change this or to do this, when it can and will, when that person has greater power and authority, that gives that spiritual influence 
the greater capacity to operate. For example, as a pastor, if I allow compromise in me, I will preach compromise from this pulpit. That's why I am convinced that a lot of pastors are unwilling to preach truth today because they convict themselves. We have a generation of pastors today that think it's okay to curse in the pulpit. They're doing it. I'm telling you, it's true. We have a generation today of pastors that are normalizing what the world is normalizing in the sense of sexual immorality because they want to be relevant and they want to keep people in the seats because people in the seats means money in the house. I don't need your money. I just need Jesus. And when Jesus gets you and your heart, that money flows. So it's operating through a body or a host. It's looking for a place or a position of authority or a person of authority. And I will tell you, it is looking for somebody that is willing to compromise the truth. You see, there is the key element of willingness. In the book of Revelations, Jesus to the church, uh, the lukewarm church, can't think of the name, what's the name of it? Huh? Laodicea, that's right. He said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Now I've heard that preached about for lost people. When Jesus was talking to his church and said, listen, I am knocking on the door. Here is the truth. As much as God will never force you to walk with him and serve him and be consecrated and set apart to him, He will never force that in your life. The enemy has the same place. He cannot and he will not force anybody to walk with him. There has to be a place of willingness in you. You hold the key to your heart. You are the person that opens the doorway to the spiritual influence. And I will tell you that if you understand these things and begin to see it, you can begin to uh, push it out of your life and helping other people to find freedom from it. So what must we do? We must first of all pursue the discerning of spirits. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. This is one of the giftings that Paul listed. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. This word discerning literally means judicial estimation. It's like a person going before a judge and they're lying through their teeth. Anybody ever watch Judge Judy? And they like, well, Judge Judy, guilty, wrong, you're out of the court. What? I didn't even say anything. I can just tell. I'm like, she's kind of short with people at times, huh? She's been doing that for a long time, folks. She has the discernment many times to tell when people are telling the truth and lying because she has probably learned to read people. And let me tell you, if we're going to have to understand and how the way this spirit operates and in order to deal with it, there is a necessity for us to get discernment in our life. We need the discerning, the gift of the Holy Spirit to understand that sometimes the way people are acting is not just a character flaw, it is a spiritual influence in their life. And as it said in Ephesians 6, 
We don't warfare. We don't war against uh, uh, flesh and blood. We war against principalities and spiritual influences and things of high places. Let me tell you today, the Spirit of God can give you discernment. He has put that in my heart so heavy since I've been here. I've always prayed for wisdom, but I prime myself consistently praying, God, give me discernment. Because if I have discernment, I can maybe know what to do. But when the Holy Spirit gives me discernment, I know exactly how to enact the things that God's given me the wisdom about. Then we must deal with inner compromise. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not condemned with the world. We must evaluate whether this influence of Jezebel is in me. There must be a place where we are open to the Holy Spirit turning on the light. You know, the Bible says the word of God is like a mirror. It is a light. When the Holy Spirit turns the light on and tell you the truth is, sometimes it's not easy allowing that to happen. Why? Because we don't always want to know the truth about ourselves. That's why you look a lot better in the mirror when the lights are off. Yeah. When it's dark, that's, you know, that's why we need to turn the lights down a little bit. That pastor looks pretty good. Let me take his jacket off and you'll see whatever. <laughs> we need to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking through the Word of God, speaking through this, the Word of God in this message. Holy Spirit, help me today because the truth is many times we are only looking at our outward appearance when God is looking at the inward. The Bible says it this way, no man knows his own heart. I try the heart and test the reins is what the Lord says. So God's looking and working in the heart to change us from the inside. Yes, maybe I could be changed on the outside. Here is the truth, men. If the only thing that's keeping me from going after another woman is fear of my wife, then I have a heart issue. Let me say it again. If the only thing that's keeping me from going after another woman is fear of my wife finding out or the consequences, then I have a heart issue. I need to bring that to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, change me, work on me, change me from within. Because you can maybe look good on the inside, but not good on the, I mean, good on the outside, but not good on the inside. So we deal with compromise. Finally, another thing, we have to take the authority God has given. You say, Pastor Thurman, the only authority I've got is over my cat and my dog. I don't have any authority, I don't. I don't have any money. I don't, I don't have people working under me. I have a boss over me. I don't have any authority. No, let me tell you, this spirit is really looking to operate in a place of illegal authority. You say, well, I don't have it. I'm not a king, a prophet, a politician, or a priest. I don't have anything. Here is this truth. If you do not walk in the authority that God has given you, somebody else will. And that enemy will press you and press you. It's like your kids when you try to get them to go to bed. I heard a comedian say one time, he said, you know, I told them to go to bed, and they come in there, and they're like, can I have a drink of water? I told you to go to bed. A little bit, they come back, I'm hungry. I heard somebody say, you know, told my uh, grandchild, you know, uh, I think it was my son, you know, if, he said, you know, if you say one more time, I'm hungry, I want a drink of water, I'm going to spank you. And he said, Daddy, would you bring me a glass of water and something to eat and bring the belt with you? I heard a comedian say, it kind of starts, you start bargaining with them. Well, if you'll go to bed, you know, we'll do this. 
If you don't walk in the authority that God's given you, somebody else will. And the truth is, Jesus has given you authority over the enemy. 1 Peter, uh, Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. According to the word of God, you and I are a kingdom of priests unto the Lord. Every man, woman, and child born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, has this priestly mantle placed upon them in a sense. In John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. This word right is exousia in the Greek. It's the word literally means authority. Jesus said all exousia, all authority has been given to me. So the truth is when you were born again, washed in the blood of the lamb, you came into the mantle of God's child. And under the mantle of God's child, the authority of Jesus has been passed into his church. The enemy has no place or power over your life unless you allow him to walk in it. As I said earlier, there could have never been a Jezebel without an Ahab. Ahab allowed her to operate in that place. And the crux of this message really is this scenario. God, am I allowing this influence to operate in me and through me? As a pastor, I am convinced that there are many times that people are allowing this influence to operate in them and through them because they don't necessarily see it operating in them and through them. Yet there are other people that see it operating. And what most of the time happens in the church when people are operating in this way, what we do is we kind of say, well, it's just the way they are. And so as a result, we kind of marginalize them. We put them at arm's length and we just don't want to deal with them. No, we as the body of Christ have to understand there is a freedom that was won through the cross. No enemy in hell has a place or authority in the life of a believer unless we allow him to walk in it. And you're going to have to start taking a stand and saying, Holy Spirit, show me, teach me, Walk with me, give me discernment to understand so that I am not uh, being a tool of the enemy. I've seen churches split over the carpet, of, the color of a carpet. I've seen people argue and fight over things that have no eternal value. It happens, folks. And it is in the, it's the enemy's playground. Jesus said this in Luke 10, 18, the worship team, if you'll come. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So there has to be a place where we walk in the authority that God's given us. Finally, it's a very simple word. We have to repent. Pastor Thurman, that, you know, I did that years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus. If you'll remember, when Jesus speaking to the church of Thyatira, he said, I gave them time to repent. I gave them space to repent, and they did not. As a result of that, there was judgment that was going to fall upon the church. You say, Pastor Thurman, that's not, the, that's not biblical. That's not what I've always heard. No, let me tell you. God loves you so much, he will not allow you to continue operating in a, in a way that is contrary to his will and his word. I know that with everything in me, the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach this message. He wanted me to preach this word. Why? Because community church, God is preparing this church 
for his glory to be manifested. And that means that this building is consecrated and dedicated unto the worship of God. But greater than that and the greater necessity is you as the believer. Dedicated and consecrated to the will of God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Is there a place of compromise in your life? Are there secret places in your life and things that you are doing that nobody else knows? Maybe you have a relationship that's outside of your marriage. Maybe you have a problem with consistently gossiping against other people. Maybe you have a problem constantly about lying. Well, Pastor Thurman, those are just specific things. Those are very specific things that the enemy operates in and through. I don't know about you. I never want to be a tool of the enemy to bring destruction to the body of Christ. I want to be consecrated. I want to be set apart. I want to be dedicated to the purpose of Jesus. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come this morning. Can you stand with us this morning? What does it mean to repent? For some, the idea of repent is, is just a verbal thing. Repentance means to turn 180 degrees away from something. So this morning as we stand, we're going to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We're going to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit this morning. To let Him turn that floodlight on. Would you close your eyes this morning? If you're comfortable and confident with it, lift your hands up as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, I open my heart to you. Father, that there, if there are any areas of compromise in me, God, I don't want to allow any subtle influences of the enemy. God, I don't want to be like Ahab that promotes that that you do not promote. I want my life to be pure and clean, my mouth, my hands, my feet, all that I am absolutely, totally surrendered to your will and your purpose. God, I just opened my heart to you. Father, this morning, I don't want to be a controlling spirit. I don't want to be a manipulative person. I don't want the little foxes to spoil the vine and the flow of your spirit in my life. I bind lust right now in the name of Jesus. In every heart, in every man, in every woman right now, Father, that that we pursue that is not your will, I bind that in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you for a fresh consecration, a fresh dedication right now. I repent, Lord. Come on, I repent. I repent from anything that's not in your will, Lord. I turn from it. Jesus, I want to be clean and pure before your throne. Have clean hands and a pure heart, washed in your blood, consecrated for your will and purpose, Lord, that you could be the kingdom of God, could flow through my life in this world. In Jesus' name. Father, you said in your word that where your spirit is, there is liberty. So today we take authority over every spiritual influence in the name of Jesus, every principality in the name of Jesus, and every heart and mind right now, and I surrender my heart and will to you. God, I'm turning from where I was to you. Holy Spirit, you're speaking in this room. 
In Jesus' name. This morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You want to make a fresh start, a fresh dedication, a rededication, a fresh consecration to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to come forward and to let the prayer team pray with you this morning. So as the worship team plays, come. If you have a need, if you want to bring something before God, whatever it is this morning, just come. Let the Holy Spirit touch you in a very real and powerful way. Come this morning. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.